What are your real goals here? What are your KPIs? What are you actually tracking here to be a success? What does success mean to you? What is it you really want? Um, how is this business complementing the life you want to live? Like These are the things I want them to be thinking about that the traditional industry just never really had them thinking about. And I, and I don't like it. Welcome to FashionCast, the fashion industry's premier podcast where we explore all things fashion. From designers and the latest trends to sustainability and breaking fashion news, we keep you informed. Now, enjoy the show with your hosts, Michael Gloucester and me, Christine Tuckta. Welcome to the latest episode of FashionCast with fashion business superstar Nicole Giordano, founder and CEO of Startup Fashion. From the genesis of a fashion blog launched in 2009, Startup Fashion has become the premier subscription fashion platform offering critical business resources and community engagement. Nicole graduated with a bachelor's degree in textile design from Philadelphia University, has held numerous fashion industry-related positions, including vice president of global content at Borderlinks, and was a self-employed fashion digital content and social media consultant for over five years. Beyond her current role at Startup Fashion, Nicole also serves as advisor, Impact Entrepreneurship at the New School. Nicole is joining FashionCast via Skype. So let's talk about Startup Fashion. Can you give us a summary of Startup Fashion and your value proposition and your mission? Sure. So our mission is really to help you know, brilliant fashion entrepreneurs to design lives they love by building businesses that succeed, which at its core really comes down to us supporting them and guiding them. Um, we focus on working with independent fashion brands um, where helping them figure out where they are right now, where they want to go. So our value proposition really comes in with if you are from go, trying to go from launch to startup or from startup to growth, we are there to provide the tools and the information and most importantly, the encouragement that um, you need to get you there. I think that encouragement is something that is missing um, in a mm -hmm. lot of mm -hmm. uh, business um, coaching Definitely. and consulting and mm, the support. And, yeah. Yeah, and that's a big that's a big part of what we bring to the table for our people. Yeah, that is very important. How many members do you currently have? We're just over 500, um, and that fluctuates, you know, because it's the kind of thing where, if we're being real here, um, <laughs> some folks join us and realize this is not what I want to do. This is a lot of work. Oh, <laughs> I see. Uh -huh. and this is, you know, and I think that's another, I bring that up because I think that's a really important part of what we do is there's no sugarcoating. It's like, here's what needs to get done to, to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And we are here to support you along the way, but we're not going to, um, pretend that it's not a lot of work and that you hold them accountable um, then. Yeah. That's good. And I think that that's, I think that that's actually, it's a, I don't see that as a bad thing if um, we have people join us and realize, you know what, I do love this as a hobby. I want to keep this as my hobby and I'm not actually interested in turning this into a business anymore. And mm. that's mm -hmm. okay. You mm -hmm. know, um, the majority of our people know they come in and they're like, this is what I want and mm. I'm, I'm going after this. But our membership does fluctuate because mm. for some folks, it's it's um, a very clarifying experience. <laughs> so That's good because you keep them focused. 
So you have 500 members. And when did you launch? We launched, it's a, it's a hard an- uh, question to answer because we launched as a blog in 2009, but we weren't a membership community until 2013. Mm, okay. So Nicole, mm-hmm. stop the presses here because I'm thinking, okay, I'm interested in what you're saying here. To me, you're like the hero in the fashion world right now. I just absolutely love what you're doing. And let's say Lee Alexander McQueen is here assuming he's back, he's back and he's here. So here's someone who's like a super creative and Mm -hmm. he comes out of, you know, the central St. Martin's and he says, I don't know what the hell, how to run a business. I'm going to call Nicole. How does your business handle someone? And Christina and I have seen this where they're just, they're so creative. They're never going to use their left brain, you know? So there's all these, these people that are in between that can handle it, the business side of it. And then there's the people, and you've, I'm sure you've met these people that are so dripping with creativity that no matter what you do, no matter how many templates or forums mm-hmm. or whatever, you're not going to get there, but still they, they, you know, they should be in fashion. Have you faced anybody mm-hmm. like that? It's kind of a weird question, but. It's a weird question, but which is kind of fun because nobody's ever presented that to me like Mm. that before. Um, Let me think about that. So yes, we our our members range, and we have people who have a fashion background, people who don't have a fashion background, people who understand business, people who don't understand business. But from what you're saying in your question, yes, we have. I've encountered people who have joined who are incredibly creative, um, but. I have yet to experience anyone who's so creative but unwilling to learn the the business side of things. Mm-hmm. I think that when you have a goal and a dream to start a business in fashion, you understand that there is a business side of that. Now, whether you're good at that stuff or not is another question, and it may be that down the line you want to bring in a partner who really takes on more of the business side of things. but. I have I I haven't experienced anyone saying no. I just I don't want to look at the numbers or I'm not going to. Maybe they don't want to look at the numbers, but they're not. You know, they they do still right. do it because they have to. That's yeah. part of what we do. Yeah, we we yeah, you comes have to the territory. You have to be aware of this and finding a business partner. You don't just go out and find a business partner. It's a relationship, and so it's like that's something that isn't going to just happen right away. And even still, you don't want to be like the clueless one mm-hmm. in that relationship, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to know what's happening in your business. So it's a great question. It's a very creative question because I've never really been asked that. But part of what we do is reinforce how important it is to understand the business side of things, even if that's not where you're most comfortable or where you love doing, you know, what you love doing the most in yeah. business. There's a lot of moving parts, definitely, and you. Um, that's great that you can help them in all aspects of the business. Yes. Well, unbeknownst to you, Nicole, you have swerved into an alternative fashion universe with FashionCast because, <laughs> you know, we're on parallel universes. I mean, we're doing things that are totally different, and your stuff is just so important, and we just love kind of reporting it and looking at it and kind of like from the 30,000-foot level because uh, we're kind of like looking at the industry from the outside looking in, and you are at the grassroots, you're in the weeds, you're with the designers, you're holding hands. Um, it's it's all the stuff that a lot of these folks probably should have had when they were in fashion school and, <laughs> and, and never got 
any of that information. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I get the impression that Nicole Giordano is a little bit pissed about that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> maybe, like, what happened here, you know? Mm-hmm. So is yeah. that is that true? Or, and the other thing is, as I'm rambling here, the other thing is, I mean, I was just listening to a book by Dana Thomas about, you know, the gods and kings, and they were talking about, you know, um, um, Galliano and, 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 and this is, you know, decades ago, he was complaining about the lack of business, uh, classes and, and education then. And I, I'm not sure it's gotten that much better. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I agree. Um, the first part of your question, maybe I'm a little pissed. I, I don't know if pissed <laughs> is exactly the right word, but it is certainly frustrating. What yeah, it's what got me going with mm-hmm. a, a blog in 2009. I was frustrated by what mm-hmm. I was experiencing. I was working in this in the industry, um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and I just saw how misleading it was. I saw all the smoke and mirrors. I all of the rules that were just felt antiquated to me, and so all of that, um, this lack of understanding, knowledge, education around what is really what this industry is really all about. Um, it got me all worked up. And so I, I began the blog. So yes, there is something there. It's kind of mellowed a little because now it's been over a decade. <laughs> so, <I'm, laughs> I, you know, I think, I, and I think more and more people in this space have started to talk more about doing things differently in fashion. And it doesn't have to be this traditional way. And all of this lack of understanding around the business side of stuff, like people are, are, other people are upset about it too. Um, but I agree with you that schools have not seemed to catch on. Like they still seem to, you know, bring in students with create, give them, giving them creative degrees, but never touching on any of the business side of things. And I think it's just, yeah, I just think it's unrealistic. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. so many creatives now, because it's, it's, I will say it's simpler. It's not necessarily easier, but it's simpler to start a business now than it was, you know, 10 years ago or or before. Um, And so it's frustrating that the schools aren't, that don't seem to be, at least to be diplomatic, they don't seem to be. In many, um, in many fields, such as as dentistry, you know. yeah. Boy, now you swerved into another universe. Yeah, there's. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly. (laughs) So what I did, Nicole, because... We, I knew we might get into this. I went back and I looked at a bunch of fashion schools and I looked at their curriculums. And so it's kind of weird. Like if you wanted to be a fashion executive, then they had business classes, but then you immediately raised your hand and said, I'm not a creative and I'm not going to be a designer. I'm just going to be a fashion exec. But you couldn't like cross the curriculum, mm. you know, it was really weird. So they have more classes, but you really weren't expected to take mm. them if you were a designer, which was stupid. It didn't make any sense to mm-hmm. me. Most schools still just don't have any. They might have the 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 proverbial fashion marketing, you know, yeah. they always have that kind of weird class. But <laughs> things have to change definitely. But dentistry, and Christine know, and I know about this. So the dentists, they come out of dentistry school. They don't know a damn thing about business. They're all entrepreneurs. They got to start their own business. Mm-hmm. They see start this and practice. The yeah. difference is they spend money like it's, you know, crazy going out of style. And it, I don't see designers. I see them a little more disciplined in terms of their budgets and stuff. I may be <laughs> wrong, but that's that's what I see. Yeah. 
So what was the one thing, if you knew what you know now, you know, if you're looking back when you started all this and you say, I wish I would have known that then, and this is something that I'm going to tell everybody about the fashion business. This is just one little kernel that everyone needs to know. What do you think it would be? I think if we're talking about specific to the fashion industry, it would be that you don't have to do it the way that traditionally everybody told you you had to. You know, I think for me, it's been the most fulfilling part of what I do is helping people see that just because you love fashion and you're entering into the the fashion industry and you want to have your own brand and all this doesn't mean that you have to follow those traditional steps that honestly were a lot of smoke and mirrors. So meaning Mm. you don't have to, your goal doesn't have to be to be in New York City. Your goal does not have to be to put on runway shows. Your goal does not have to be to create large collections and get into department stores. That is a very antiquated way of looking at things. So I think one of the things that um, I just love uh, making clear to designers and I you know, I, I'm glad that I can is just that, um, you can do this your own way. And that really translates outside of just the fashion industry as well. But I just, I think that that was something that Mm. I, I learned years ago and I'm so, I'm, I'm glad to be able to share now. And I wish I could have shared even earlier than I did, you know, that's when I began this good advice. You could, you could be an innovator. Well, I guess I, for me, I don't even know if I think, I, I think there's a lot of pressure that comes with the word being, you know, to be an innovator, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't even think it has to be like that. I just mean that you can step into this industry and you can think about it like, I want to make a business that actually makes money. So I am going to think about, I'm going to worry about things like, how much traffic is coming to my website. I'm not going to worry about whether I get a spread in vogue. And this is this is the shift in the mindset that I want these these young independent and young by just the brand being young, but independent designers to be thinking of like, what are your real goals here? What are your KPIs? What are you actually tracking here to be a success? What does success mean to you? What is it you really want? Mm-hmm. Um, how is this business complementing the life you want to live? Like these are the things I want them to be thinking about that the traditional industry just never really had them thinking about. And I and. I don't like it. So So I'm curious. Let's go back to the membership for those who are listening and curious to know the cost. What's the cost to start up for startup fashion? It's $54 a month or $145 per quarter. God, that's so Very affordable. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like $54 a month for all that support. Wow. What a great deal. So (laughs) if if I'm the dean of the Christine Tuck Tuck School of Fashion, I think I just hired Nicole Giordano. I mean, she, she, I mean, this girl, I'm telling you, I don't know how we're going to do it, Nicole, but some way, somehow between startup fashion, startup nation, fashion cast, I mean, I've, I've got you slotted for all kinds of things. You don't, she doesn't even know, man. She doesn't even know. Yeah. I'm curious. Do you, do you get any support yourself or any, um, donations perhaps or? No, she's yeah, donation she's, in she's any all way to, profitable I think yeah it's um we're not a nonprofit yeah so yeah it's a, it's a um, we're a profitable business and but, but do you support, get any support yourself yeah okay absolutely so I've I believe that 
no matter what stage of business you're in, you always need um, you need support of some kind. So Definitely. I participate in masterminds. Um, I also have a core group of uh, fellow entrepreneurs who I have just an ongoing WhatsApp thread. They're not in fashion. They're just other people who are running um, businesses. Um, maybe I should join that thread. That people, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll join that WhatsApp that's... thread because yeah, I have yeah, it's I so I important. need to support myself. <laughs> Yeah, which is yeah. why we offer community in Startup Fashion, because having people to talk to, bounce ideas off of, understand what you're going through, let you vent when you're upset about something that people who are not in business just don't understand. It's it's such an important part of yeah, things. Yeah, that you're not alone. That's great. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the pink elephant in the room here when it comes to entrepreneurship, fashionpreneurs, small business at the end of the day, you've got to have money, right? We've got to have money. We've got to finance all this stuff one way or another. I know you're a fan of crowdfunding. I know you've had some mm-hmm. folks on, on uh, or been interviewed by some people that are, you know, have done some great work in that space. Do you agree or disagree that, you know, there's a white space there? And I, I just think that there's more to be done in terms of the financial piece and you've kind of laid the groundwork with startup fashion. Now you've got this whole community, and whether it's 500 or 700 or 1,200 or whatever, there's a lot of people there that are going to need financing. And what is your thoughts about financing where it is now and where it needs to be, or are you comfortable with where it's at? Well, it's, a, it's kind of a big question. I think that it doesn't have to be as complicated as... It feels sometimes. I think that yes, crowdfunding is one option, but crowdfunding itself is—you you need money to to get the crowdfunding <laughs> campaign off the ground, right? True, so a true. Bit of like, yeah. um, so um, it's a it's a good option, but you have to know that you can't do that from zero. You need something. I personally believe that you know having a job, self—you know—bootstrapping, self-funding these your endeavor, starting your endeavor small and building as you, as, as the revenue starts coming, all of those are really valid options. Yes. Would it be nice to introduce other options? Sure. But I think that, um, it's, it's, it's no different than anything else where it's, it's not exactly easy to access money. And then if you start bringing into play, um, uh, you know, issues, um, about, uh, like race within the fashion industry and how difficult it is for black designers to access money versus white designers. I mean, this is a deep issue. Money for the fashion industry is a deep issue. I mean, money for any startup is, but I think that I don't know what the solution is. I don't know. And I don't spend that much time thinking about how can we find other ways for this to happen? Like for, 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 designers to be funded, I spend more time figuring out or working with them to figure out, okay, what are your options as an individual? How, like, how can, how can we get you to the point you need to be in order to get your business up and running and going? Um, And so, yeah, it's a, it's a whole sector, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And it's not where I spend the majority of my time um, focusing. So I'm a big believer in bootstrapping. What do you have? What can you, um, what can you get um, yourself based on your, your day job or, you know, quote day job? I spent years working a night job in bars and restaurants, just funding my business. So, um, yeah, I, 
it's a big question, and I'm open to hearing what your thoughts are and discussing that more, but I haven't really come up with a solution. Oh, our solution is to start a fashion bank. All <laughs> yeah, digital, across the country. Smart. Yeah. yeah, yeah so what is the fashion bank? Like, what does, how does that fu- help, help fund? That, What's the that, fashion bank? So what the fashion bank would do... Like a credit union? You, you could have a sponsor huh? bank. You could actually have a financial technology company do this and plug into a bank. And so you could, on your phone have your bank account and so forth there, but it could also have the um, the small business loans that would be available. And I don't just mean like the SBA type loans. I mean, the community could actually participate. And this is a bank just for the fashion community. So they know and understand those people and they understand those issues around either starting or funding. Um, because there are banks that just fund the big manufacturers and the big suppliers, right, and all of that. But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this grassroots kind of level where people, you know, have some camaraderie and they're all within the same financial community. And, and then you, you can actually juice up some money for these kinds of, um, you, you know, you can do internal crowdfunding, uh, essentially, and you're not going outside. This is a massive community. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. So it's not. So it's a bank, but you're still. It's it's still a way of crowdsourcing money. It yeah. So it would it would have multiple okay. ways to to raise money, and you'd have pre-seed and seed and Series A and all of that, and then you'd have traditional loans too. I mean, at some point you know, startup fashion may be big enough just to say, hey, you know, we want to buy our own building or whatever. And you would go to fashion bank and they would finance it, you know, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of ways to go about that. Of course, you will be on the board, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, you're on the board. (laughs) So Nicole, beyond coaching and consulting, do you ever think more broadly about the serious issues facing the fashion industry? And is there a particular issue you're passionate about? Yeah, I mean, sustainability and ethics um, within the industry is something that I've thought about a lot over the years. That's a common answer. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's important. And I think what was happening for a long time is that it wasn't, it, it wasn't, something that you learned as part of building a fashion business. And now it's, if you want to be a uh, a relevant fashion business, this is something you have to be thinking about researching, baking into your business. Do you have to be perfect? No, of course not. But you need to be thinking about what you're creating and the impact that it's having on the world and the people in it. And so if you're not doing that, you're kind of missing uh, something big there. And so for me, I've, that's always been something that I, or I shouldn't say always, but for many years now has been something that I have um, been um, talking about and sharing. Um, that said, like many other privileged white presenting people, I've only too recently been, you know, having my eyes opened to or paying more attention to, I should say, the issues um, that face the black community in this industry. And so you asked if there's something that I am very passionate about. That's something that is something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about both within my own business and within how I am helping our designers think about it within their businesses. So 
There's a lot. There's a lot happening in this industry, well, in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So and it's impacting this industry as it should. And so those things are all front of mind for me. Okay. So I just want to ask you about the sustainability piece. So yeah, because that's a common answer. Well, sustainability is always an issue. Well, when we talk to Aki, Aki Chocolate mm-hmm. is the head of fashion at, um, you know, the College for Creative Studies here in Detroit. And we visited him one day. We were down there and he was showing us, you know, all the, the studios and so forth where the designers work. And then he brought us into this back room and it's this massive room where the school had been, had, had all this leather donated to them. Um, I won't say the company because I don't know that I'm allowed to. But anyway, <laughs> it's, a, it's a company here in Detroit and they donated it to them. And Aki was basically saying, look, you know, there's roll after roll after roll of leather, but nobody's using it because all of the students, they insist on using sustainable materials. And they're just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were like taken aback by that. It was really kind of a cool moment, you know, because the students just like resisted all of this material in front of them. And I guess what I'm asking in terms of startup fashion, are you seeing more of that too? And are you helping these designers source some of those hard to source sustainable materials like organic cotton and so forth? And you're the textile expert, Nicole, come on. You are, you're like Miss Textile. Like I said during the break, I wish I had a textile degree, but I don't have another four years to mess around doing that. (laughs) So what do you think? Yes, I see this coming up more and more, which is a great thing um, that new brands are prioritizing this, which is really important. But I will say this, sustainability can mean different things. There's no one definition. And based on that example you just described, like that made my heart hurt because that material is now there. So by just ignoring it and leaving it there and not using it, that isn't a sustainable option. Either. That's what I was thinking, Nicole. Well, exactly. Aki, pro- Aki would probably use it if he's. <laughs> I was gonna he's say that's what but I anyway, was thinking. But yes, no. Okay. So I think it's it's about determining what is important to you as the designer. Like, where do your values fall in the sustainability realm? Because there are different directions you can go. So there are some people who are um, they go the vegan route, and they're like, I will never use anything that is that is comes from an animal. Um, but then in replacement of that they may be using um, a synthetic material that has a big impact on the environment. And that's okay because that's about their values and where Mm. they are taking sustainability for themselves. Whereas others will use the dead stock leather because (laughs) they don't want that to go to waste and they see it as um, a sustainable option because they're using this leftover fabric or in this case skins that that wasn't getting used. So they're going to do that. And other people, it's just all about organic. Like it's just figuring out what does sustainability mean to you? Where mm. do your values lie here? What decisions are you going to make within your business based on that? Because there is no one right answer here. So indirectly, you're saying that we could never be 100% sustainable. If you're making any kind of physical never. product, you're not 100 No, there's no such thing. You're impacting the earth. There's and, always yeah. going to be something. Yeah, definitely. But then you get into the Ellen MacArthur kind of circular fashion initiative. And I think those are important groups too, because I think what a lot of people are sick of is this whole greenwashing going on yes. where, you know, where these corporations are saying, look what we did. Can you see? Look, here's our mission. And it's just kind of a greenwashing thing. And we've seen that too, which is 
which is uglier than the than mm-hmm. the leather sitting in the back room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But right. but you're seeing some of that too, are you not? So so for you, it's sustainability ethics. I kind of I I kind of like that, and also this whole inclusive um, this the whole issue about body shapes and inclusivity about different body shapes and weight and all of that seems to be on the rise too, or has been. And in fact, I think Parsons just, uh, I think Ben Berry, Dr. Ben Berry is going to start a world famous inclusive kind of guy who you probably know who's at Ryerson now who will start in July at Parsons as the Dean. And that's really his background, which is interesting that they hired him, you know, given that background, you know, I mean, he's also a designer and all that stuff, quite talented, but so do you see what other issues, I mean, those are your issues, but the fashion industry, you know, you know, there's so many issues related to this industry. There's, and there's some great, great things happening. I keep going back and forth on the fashion shows because at one point I was like, let's just have avatars and let's not do this to the models. <clears throat> and now, <clears throat> You know, after COVID, I think, my God, I, I, I'd do anything just to see a fashion show, you know? <laughs> so, let's go back to normal. Yeah, let's, can, can we, we... want to give people jobs, too. So yeah. how, how for, from bringing up COVID, so Nicole, how do you think COVID has impacted the industry in a good way and in a bad way? What's happened? What do you envision or what are your insights related to COVID? What I've experienced is brands have had to really get focused on what's important in their business, the metrics that they need to be paying attention to. Everything seems to be getting streamlined and more efficient and because they have to be, right? And so one of the impacts that I've seen in COVID just from a positive standpoint is that like a lot of attention now is being paid to making like taking a look at what's happening on your own website and not relying on, you know, getting into stores and that kind of thing. And this is something that I've always been a big proponent of the direct to consumer model. And I have always um, talked about that and with wholesale being kind of an added layer and an extra revenue stream um, kind of goes back to my whole push against the traditional approach. And so I've been seeing more and more of that, like, okay, if I'm going to make this work, it's on me right now because the world has just been like turned upside down. So what am I doing to keep my goals attainable and to keep moving forward and to making sure that I, to make sure that I am still going after everything I want um, to build. Um, So that's been really amazing to see uh, that kind of initiative and um, discipline and focus Right. Because there's not this luxury of, um, of of not having focus anymore. So I think that that's been a really cool thing to see. So, yeah. So that's a positive impact of COVID. So, you know, what are the negative? Obviously, there's there's fewer pop up fashion shows that you can go see. Right. <laughs> but there's right. So the negative is you're you've very much removed that ability to connect in person with your people, which is incredibly important. So mm-hmm. while I said with the first part, um, I've always been a proponent of that direct to consumer approach. You can't just live online and online only and not be out there meeting people. And obviously, COVID has made that incredibly um, challenging. So there's been this removal of just human contact, obviously Mm. across the board. But then when it comes to your business, you're not able to do things like pop-ups. You're not able to um, have any kinds of shows. You're not able to attend shows. You can't go to trade shows. You can't, you know, you can't go to participate in markets. So that has been 
I, I heard that over and over, especially in the spring when COVID first started taking over here in the US. It was like all of my spring shows were canceled. I, I would make so much of my annual revenue during those um, those shows, those markets, pop-ups, trunk shows, all of that stuff. So that's been um, that's been challenging, but it's been really cool to see the shift. Again, it's like, okay, getting focused. How am I turning this into a positive for my business? What can I do differently? And so it's been really cool to just see online, you know, trunk shows and people, these brands just figuring out a way to bring everything online and do what they need to do and keep moving forward. So it's been incredibly difficult. And I do not mean to in any way imply or minimize um, the struggle that a lot of folks around the world have felt. And I understand there's a lot of privilege in being able to say, I'm just going to shift and do things online. Um, so I do acknowledge that. But at the same time, it's been really amazing to see those who can um, and who are in the position to um, stay focused on their business doing that in a, um, in a really streamlined way. So what do you see, you know, because you have this unique position within the industry and you kind of just explain what was going on with COVID, you know, pre and, and post. What do you see around the corner? I, th I think technology has really stepped in here in a big, big way. I don't know where we're going to get away from it. And in the meantime, you've got the traditional brick and mortar, massive companies just going down left and right. What does Nicole, I mean, sitting in Philly, what do you see in Philly around the corner, the future of fashion, say over the next three years, is this become just a crazy tech kind of industry or is this going to settle down and we'll go back to a little bit more brick and mortar? Is there, you know, are you going to have to play both sides of the house? Are you going to have to have some kind of a technology platform and be in brick and mortar? So what do you see? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it for a long time has been that though, this, this idea of, having your online presence and complementing that with an offline presence and whether that offline presence is to be in brick and mortar stores or to have your strategies for how you are going to be showing up in real life um, offline um, on a regular basis, either one or both um, is fine. But I think I don't think that we've changed in that in that um, respect. I think what COVID will do is while it's happening, so much of your time as a, a brand is spent focusing on all of the tech stuff. What am I doing to build out my online presence and how am I using technology to grow my business and all of that. But then as we're able to get back to being in person again and life like we were used to in, in a lot of ways, people are going to be craving that again. So oh, yeah. you're, mm -hmm. you're not going, it's not going to be like, oh, you don't need to be doing anything offline mm -hmm. anymore because COVID changed all that. It's going to be, no, you've strengthened mm -hmm. your business online and, you, and all of the technological um, options that are out there for you to really grow your business w during this time. And then you're going to need to, and I'm sure want to, mm -hmm. um, really be doing a lot of um, offline, you know, brick and mortar style stuff when we can again, because people will have missed it so mm -hmm. much. And what that means is they're going to have gotten used to a lot of techie things and they're not going to want to lose that. 
So you have to, they're going to, you're going to hold on to that as a brand, but then they're also going to want it paired with in-person stuff, lunch pop-ups, you know, like, let's go to, let's have a lunch and <laughs> mm, have models walking thing. around. Let's go mm. back to like, you know, all of those things that we miss so much. So I think yeah. it's going to be. Yeah, definitely. Oh. Same thing. This is the same thing Mark Pilkington said. He's a retail consultant. Pretty much the same answer. They're, you're going to have more community involved things, events. I think this time has made everybody realize how much community matters. And mm -hmm. it's such a buzzword and has been for a long time. Like, oh, you need community. Mm -hmm. But until it's taken away from you, it's like, oh, you're right. And <laughs> while we have yeah. found ways to bring community to people online, um, it's it's not quite the same and people miss it. So I I think that this time has really made it clear, like, people. We need to be around people. Yes, <laughs> so yes, definitely. We'll see more of that. Right. And that, that was my point earlier about the fashion shows. It's kind of a love-hate relationship with the fashion shows, which are just so damned expensive that, you know, the designers that you and I are thinking about and um, the people that we know traditionally, even people who are fairly successful, I mean, if you got to spend half a million dollars on a fashion show, it's like, come on, is, is everybody Joseph Abood? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. not going to happen. And so then how do you get, how do you get that recognition? And I think some of these designers, especially out of, out of New York that have started some of these new waves of, of the pop-up fashion shows, just crazy stuff on a Wednesday afternoon, you know, in Union Square and, uh, and that kind of thing has been very interesting, but I, I do kind of miss that in, in terms of just the whole fashion show, you know, problem has to be resolved some way. I don't know how to do it, but I'm leaving that up to Nicole. Do you know how to do it, Nicole? <laughs> Give any ideas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, a small. Well, because I focus, I work with independent brands. So fashion shows, those traditional fashion shows, and that's never been my thing. It's mm. never been where I spend my time um, thinking. It's not. I, I when I lived in New York, I had gone to some, and it was fine. But ultimately, like I said earlier, it, my work is about helping these people who are interested in fashion, who love fashion, who have an idea for a fashion product, whatever their situation is, to build an actual business doing that. So spending half a million dollars on a fashion show, in my opinion, is not the way to build an actual business. And so for me, it's just, I, I fashion shows are nice, but they're not really um, where I spend my time thinking. I, I really want my people, at least, and the people who come to me are coming to me because it's like, Let's look at numbers. Let's look at traffic. Let's look like, let's figure out how you're going to actually make some money with this business and not base your success or lack of success on how recognized you are within the industry. To me, that's an unimportant metric, but if it, but some, to some folks it isn't and that's okay, but that's not what I'm teaching and it's not what, um, you know, people come to me for. So are, are you addressing some of the legal issues related to starting your own business too? Like the trademark, the yeah, copyright, the, you know, because I know that can get expensive. The whole we, branding. Yeah. The whole fashion law part of the business that nobody really wants to talk about, but is so important. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I give some opinions on, you know, what I think you need to be doing, but we recommend to our designers as you're making decisions early on, speak to a lawyer, speak to an accountant, speak to those professionals. Um, but I'm, I don't give 
legal advice. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's so many, there's so many good patent and trademark and copyright attorneys. And there's some that specialize in fashion. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very interesting field, but very important. Before I forget, Nicole, yeah, where ahead. can our listeners find you on social media or your website? So our website is startupfashion.com and all of our handles are at Startup Fashion. Great. And you have a podcast. Yeah. Do you really? We just started it. Really? Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. What's it called? Thank you. It's called Startup Fashion, Do It Your Way. And I interview independent designers and brands who have built a certain amount of success for themselves, doing it a little bit differently, following you know, their own rules, not the old school industry rules. And um, it's been fun. It's new. Thank you for bringing that up. It yeah, it's, fun. it is fun. It's yeah, exciting. so you yeah. can follow this young lady there I will too. be listening to your yeah, podcast yeah, for sure. It's, yes, it's a lot more work than you think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It, yeah, it, we're definitely hooked, Michael so, and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Nicole Giordano, it's mm -hmm. been an absolute <laughs> pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much for appearing on Fashion Cast. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also visit us on our website at fashioncastpodcast.com. 